Warning! The following program is solely intended for a mature audience. Any of the idiotic opinions and views expressed on this show are solely opinions of Dark Friends Radio and not of its advertisers, which is completely pointless because this poorly produced, dumbass podcast has no advertisers. I'm sorry, son, um, but uh, we do have an advertiser now, Ampsmart. So, uh, yeah, um, sorry, go back to your thing. Furthermore, any rebroadcast or redistribution of Dark Friend Radio podcast without per- the permission is strictly prohibited. If you do, we will find you. Then we will send three black-eyed children to your home or office to collect your soul. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios, it's Dark Bridge Radio. And welcome, 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 welcome one and all to Dark Fringe Radio. I am your host, Will Martinez, and of course with me every week, my co-host with me, Jay Galosi. Jay, what's going on, brother? What is up, my friend? Nothing much, man. feel very energized tonight. We've got a great podcast lined up for everybody, so I'm really excited about it. And, uh, yeah. So uh, let's get this thing going, man. Ready to go? I'm ready. I'm always ready. I'm ready and ready to go, always. Nice, nice. All right. So we'll uh, do a little intro here. just want to remind everybody how to listen to the podcast. Uh, you could just go to our website, Jay. Check this out. I uh, was able to uh, talk to the people who do our website, and they were able to hook us up. And they put links to the show directly on our website. So all you have to do is go to one place, and it's darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. Just in case you can't find it on whatever channel it is that you you know look for your podcast. And right on that page, Jay, it gives you five different links where you can listen to the podcast. It gives you a link for Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, also Google Play Music, also iTunes. Yeah, it's all right there at the, your fingertips uh, for you guys to choose. And, uh, you know, whatever avenue you want to listen to the podcast, it's right there on our website. So... Uh, We were able to do that, Jay, and, uh, you know, basically tunnel all that traffic to our website. So that way they can, you know, go there first and see all our content and, uh, you know, basically choose where they want to listen to the podcast. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's awesome. I'm so glad that our web people were able to design that feature in. Very good for them. I'm very proud of them. (laughs) Well, listen, uh, yeah, that's uh, how to listen to the podcast. And just to remind everybody um, where you can follow us on social media. You can follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and also Instagram. Just look up Dark Fringe Radio. Uh, We're there uh, every day posting new things, uh, stories, things that are coming out in the horror uh, movie realm, uh, TV stuff, all things of different sorts of nature but yeah just check it out you'll definitely be uh, entertained uh, any one of those avenues are uh, you know the best uh, you know like I say uh, Instagram is uh, very very popular a lot of people like our Instagram page Jay we're over 700 followers right now on that so and it continues to yeah 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 that we just hit that milestone over the week so I uh, wanted to say uh, thank you to all our uh, followers for you know supporting the uh, page and following us and telling everybody else about us as well. So uh, again, thanks again to those people and thanks for getting us over 700. So well, that's it for the intro, Jay. Uh, do you ready to do a little? Uh, I guess mailbag next. I'm very cautious about emailing. I am ready for some mailbag. I'd like to see what mail is in the bag. 
<laughs> well, let's see what we got this week, Jay. Let's see, I'm pulling it up right now. And the first one uh, comes from a Henry Riddle from Scranton, Pennsylvania. And uh, the subject of the, of the, excuse me, of the email is interview with Steve DeShavy. Uh, hello, Will and Jay. Want to let you know that I've listened to your last 10 episodes and the content keeps getting better and better. Uh, as the case was with last week's episode, you had Steve Shavi on the show. And I just want to let you know that I enjoyed the podcast and continue doing what you're doing. That's uh, from Henry Riddle from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Henry, appreciate that very much, and thanks for sending that in. Uh, anything to add to that, Jay? Uh, just another big thank you, man. That's, that's awesome. We are glad to hear such positive feedback. Glad to hear that the content is getting better, and we're working every day at it to keep it getting even stronger. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, between... You know, Jay coming up with new ideas for segments of the podcast and uh, you know, us being able to, you know, uh, procure these uh, interviews. Uh, it really adds a lot more content to the podcast. And I'm, I'm happy that I'm able to get it to you guys. So so thanks again uh, to uh, Henry Riddle down from Scranton. Next one comes from uh, Peter Vogel from Albany, New York, Jay. And the uh, subject here is Bigfoot. Oh, wonder what this could be about. Huh, Jay? Mm. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, I wanted to know if you guys have uh, dedicated a podcast to the legend of Bigfoot. Uh, I've looked in your library and iTunes and I couldn't find one. And I would like to hear what your take is on the actual, uh, you know, legend. So thanks again, Peter Vogel from Albany, New York. Thanks for sending that in, Peter. And we really appreciate it. We have not done a full podcast on the Bigfoot phenomenon, Jay. What say you? Uh, no, we did one on cryptids uh, fairly recently where... I talked about Bigfoot and my feelings on it were that if it were real, uh, we would have seen something by this point, uh, bones, fossil records, something, something would have been able to be identified as either unknown or the Sasquatch, uh, not like anything that's ever been found before. That was my take on it then. Oddly enough, uh, just today, I come across a uh, news article. Oh, that really? said that the FBI is releasing documents on their investigations into Bigfoot, including bones and hair and fragments that couldn't be identified. Hmm, interesting. So now, this is really interesting, Jay, because it kind of falls into what we're talking about today. It really does play a big part because, you know, you're starting to see the government starting to disclose a lot of this stuff. I mean... What was it last week or the week before the Navy, uh, you know, disclosed about the UFO thing, and now you know, yeah, we're hearing about you know Bigfoot now here. Like, what's going on? There seems to be some type of, you know, hard disclosure going on right now. What do you think? Uh, well, I think that the government is starting to realize that transparency is going to be the only way to fix any of these chasms, any which way. Now, I don't think they're going to go for full disclosure and 100% transparency because if you go through a lot of these documents, there's still plenty of things that are redacted for secrets. But right. it does make it look like they're being transparent when really they're not. It's kind of my take on it. Yeah, and it's, it's I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe are they trying to deflect attention towards a certain subject? Uh, are they doing this on purpose? Is is that's the question. You know, when you start seeing these things pop up from the government and them starting to disclose the stuff, it kind of, you have to start looking the other way, not in the way they want you to look, but kind of like in the opposite way because they're trying to get your attention to that uh, from something else. So, 
you know, that's something to kind of take into account as well when you uh, start to see a lot of this stuff. And it's a lot in the last two weeks. That's crazy. You know what I mean? All these years that go by, all yep. of a sudden, you know, you got two different agencies and the government coming out with this stuff. So, you know, listen, I mean, it goes right into the topic of what we're going to be talking about tonight. It's a great segue, uh, Jay. Uh, and, you know, uh, tonight's podcast, we're going to be talking to a gentleman uh, by the name of Dan Willis. And he's a very interesting individual. And um, reason being is, is he was um, actually a former... Uh, ABC newsman, and he was actually one of the um, Disclosure Project's top secret military witnesses that actually testified in the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. in 2001. So, you know, we talk a lot about disclosure. Uh, same thing what we're talking about now. Uh, you know, the government you know, hiding this information. Why would they hide this information for so long? Is it because, you know, are, are they doing reverse engineering or, you know, they are they trying to keep things at bay for a reason? Who knows? You know, those are the questions that we all ask. So it fits in perfectly what we're going to be talking to tonight, and uh, we'll be getting into that really deep tonight with Dan Willis. So um, that also brings me into our next segment, Jay, uh, which is Will You Tell Me? And uh, what do you got for me this week, Jay? So for Will You Tell Me this week, the last few I've done, I've kind of tried to keep along with the theme of what the podcast is going to be about. Uh, This week, I I didn't do that. That's too much work. So uh, I figured... I would ask you a question that everybody thinks is common sense. Well, you've got a fair amount of common sense. So, will you tell me who created Daylight Savings and why? Who created Daylight Savings? I believe Daylight Savings was um, something that was created by the the Christians. Um, and it was I think it was due to some type of holiday ritual uh, or some type of, I'm sorry, not holiday ritual, but some type of uh, religious um, ritual. Uh, and that's the reason why, you know, Daylight Savings is what it is. Uh, no. Ah. Daylight Savings was started as a joke by Benjamin Franklin. Really? I didn't know that. Yep. Uh, at the time it was first introduced during the early 20th century, uh, the idea actually originated a little bit earlier in the United States around the 18th century. It gained popularity in the 20th century, and but was really rich, rooted in the 18th century. Uh, the idea originally came from Benjamin, what, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, and a 1784 essay pub- that was published in a newspaper that suggested that changing the clock twice a year could help maximize the amount of time allowing for people to work longer and be more productive. But as you read through the remainder of the article, uh, it, you can see it's a much more laid-back attempt at poking fun at European economies. Wow. So it was a joke started by Benjamin Franklin that we now take seriously about farmers getting more daylight. Is it me, or is it like Benjamin Franklin, like the Forrest Gump of like the early 19th century? Like, he had like a lot to do with like certain little things that happened, no? Oh, no, he absolutely did. He absolutely did. In fact, in fact, one of the maybe least known things about Benjamin Franklin is he was infamous for setting John Adams off, and then John Adams would go get things done. John Adams was known as the agitator. Yes. And Benjamin Franklin kind of manipulated his way into getting Adams to do ultimately what Franklin needed him to do. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, he just seems like he was just in the middle of everything. Like, he had his hand in everything. I mean, it just, it's amazing. He's a ind- very amazing individual. And I, I, it would, it'd be cool to see, you know, the history through his eyes because he seemed to see, he looks like he's seen a lot, you know, because all the stuff that he was right. involved in, you know. But uh, that's interesting, Jay. You got me this week for uh, Will You Tell Me. That's great. Never knew that. Yeah, none of that. Well, that's awesome. Well, listen, uh, that uh, brings a close to the uh, intro 
and uh, the rest of the uh, segments for the beginning of the podcast. We're going to be getting into our interview here with Dan Willis uh, from the Disclosure Project. So we'll be getting to our interview here with him in a minute, and I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, just hold on. Hey, this is Steve Deshavi, and you are listening to Dark Fringe Radio. My name is Dan Willis. I was in the United States Navy. I held a top secret crypto level 14 extra sensitive material handling security clearance. I worked in the code room at the Naval Communications Station in San Francisco. In 1969, I received a priority message from a ship near Alaska that uh, was classified as secret. The ship reported uh, merging out of the ocean uh, near Port Bow, a brightly glowing uh, reddish-orange elliptical object, approximately 70 feet in diameter, emerged out of the water, <laughs> shot into space, uh, traveling at about 7,000 miles per hour. This was uh, tracked on ship's radar and substantiated. Uh, years later, I worked at the um, Naval Electronic Engineering Center in San Diego for 13 years. The um, co-worker who I worked with worked at the NORAD facility. When he first started working at the facility, he noticed objects going on the screens to track everything out in space and in the air, objects going off the scale, doing right-angle turns. When he inquired, um, his older supervisor advised him that, uh, quote, it was just a visit from one of our little friends. I thought this was a little unusual. Uh, these statements are true. I'm willing to testify under oath before Congress. Thank you. All right, Dark Fringe Radio listeners, thank you for joining in the podcast. And tonight we have a very uh, special treat for you tonight. Our guest is a former radar broadcast engineer and also ABC newsman. He's one of the Disclosure Project's top military secret witnesses that testified in the front of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. in 2001. He is also uh, put together the webmatrix.net, basically a chronological uh, timeline of uh, the uh, secret matrix uh, revelation I, like i like to call it uh welcome to dark fringe radio mr dan willis dan how are you tonight oh will uh pleasure to be on your show uh, it's good to get this information out there absolutely listen thanks for coming on and um listen i i checked out your website the webmatrix.net it's a very interesting website into the fact that it chronicalizes basically a timeline from um you know basically to beginning of recorded human history till now about um <laughs> the 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 the, the false reality that we live in, basically. Is that correct? Yeah, I didn't want to go back too far in time. You know, just the beginning of the 20th century, about the year 1900, although in the sections where, you know, there's a lot of connections with uh, secret societies and secret space programs, you know, let's go back further, back to the 17 and 1800s. Uh, pretty much is just a chronological uh, of 
based on you know I'm only I'm only one of hundreds of uh, military intelligence witnesses based on all these different testimonies on certain uh, leaked authenticated uh, classified documents that came out that paint a picture when you put them all together uh, and you put them into a chronological order and see the unfoldment of the information and how we got to where we are today. Uh, all this was in, you know, inspired by a media company out of Hollywood. They knew I was a witness and an ex-ABC newsman who wanted me to write an article on the control of the media, which I wanted to find out because when I went to Washington to testify, I thought it was going to be part of a world-changing event. I mean, the, the testimonies what we're saying were incredibly explosive, but the mainstream media effectively did what the CIA terms a limited hangout and sanitized it in such a way that, you know, I mean, on the alternative media, a lot of people picked up on it, but on the mainstream media channels, um, it got completely sanitized. Yeah, it seems to be a repetitive um, uh mode of operation or motor of operandi for the CIA to do that. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny that, um, you back in 2001 were a part of that group. How did you become, how did the, the, the path go from ABC newsman to being on this, uh, you know, this hearing in front of DC in 2001, how did that go from there to there? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, you know, in uh, in 1969, I was uh, I had a high level top secret clearance in the in the Navy in naval communications, uh, working at Naval Communications Station, San Francisco, uh, receiving re secret classified messages going to the chief of naval operation that were priority that uh, the ship is reporting uh, reddish glowing elliptical objects merging out of the ocean, shooting off into space, radar operator tracked it going over 7,000 miles per hour. That all was stuck in my head because that was a secret, authenticated message, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought it was quite unusual, but as I research out, I find out that's really commonplace. The, uh, the, the Navy and as far as the, uh, you know, the Soviet uh, Navy as well, there's most of the UFOs coming well, they know what they are, they're not unidentified, but they're going in and out of the oceans, more than half of them. So there, apparently there's bases deep underneath the ocean. Uh, years went by, um, you know, I had a, you know, a, we're, went 50 feet over my head about a, a it's about a, I'm sorry, about 100 feet over my head, about a 50 foot diameter disc flew over. And so, you know, for many years I, uh, you know, wondered, uh, you know, what is going on? Why does the government continually deny, you know, this when, you know, thousands of people around the planet see it? And, uh, you know, I, uh, one of the, doctor, this whole thing goes back to, a, that, that's a deep question, you know, it goes back to um, a CIA director during um, the uh, Clinton administration wanting to gain access to this information and the CIA director James Woolsey was denied access Dr. Greer was brought into a meeting and uh, he said you know how can we disclose that which we don't have access to and it turns out that uh, you know all this happened back uh, at the end of World War II apparently there was an infiltration and uh, Eisenhower basically lost control of the corporations that were tied into a Nazi infiltration that, uh, and, you know, Kennedy was fully aware of his background, Office of Naval Intelligence. And so, you know, ever since, 
since that time that we lost control, our legal constitutional government has not been able to gain access. And so uh, back in 93, Dr. Greer started this uh this witness archival project where you got like 500 witnesses, uh, mm -hmm. including admirals, astronauts, generals. Uh, and it was in 1997 that uh, astronaut Edgar Mitchell joined him at the Pentagon uh, to meet with the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Tom Wilson. And uh, <laughs> you know, I was sharing with you that, that video I did of, of Bob Lazar. Oh, yeah, we're going to get into that uh, in a second. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. The, the meeting before that, uh, you know, Area 51, basically in Alice Air Force Base, sent out a NRO, it's a National Reconnaissance Office, uh, classified advisory telling the personnel on the base, you know, if anybody interacts with this group meeting that's right outside the base, uh, they'll be, you know, reprimanded and punished. Uh, so on that list of that document, uh, as distribution, you know, as they send it, send these things out, was Magi Ops, Cosmic Ops, mm -hmm. these different projects that are termed uh, unacknowledged special access projects, which uh, essentially it doesn't matter if you're a president or a head of intelligence, you're denied that the project even exists. And it's how they've been able to keep it quiet, you know, since 1955, all these operations. So what happened was um, this document was presented to Admiral Tom Wilson, who uh, found out that these projects were real. And when he tried to gain access, he was told, uh, sir, you do not have a need to know. <laughs> and he said, you know, the hell I don't. I'm the head of intelligence. And yeah. so, you know, he said to Dr. Greer, quote, you know, if you can get your people together, go before the media, you have my permission. This group is illegal, quote unquote. And they are illegal. Uh, what happened was Nelson Rockefeller restructured the CIA MJ-12 operations, who was, you know, uh, Eisenhower's vice president. And so every president uh, ever since that time uh, tries to gain access or any congressman or senator, or anybody in our legal government, they're basically, um, basically out of the loop. Um, after the uh, disclosure conference, I uh, traveled around the entire United States and major cities with Dr. Greer and uh, had thousands of people. We had the executive briefing video that we shared with the uh, Pentagon that had, you know, this explosive testimony going out and we had standing ovations, but the, you know, the, the media would come in, you know, every time and uh, use what's called the giggle factor and just kind of make fun of it, you know, of like, uh, oh, the disclosure project is looking at aliens and solve the world's energy problems, you know. So they, they, they manipulate it that way to not alert the public is of the, the implications and the extreme importance that these uh, witnesses are revealing. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, nobody wants to write a letter, you know, to their son. Nobody has the time. And so I, I put together a online fax. I had 30,000 faxes go off to the president and the senators and representatives. And I told people, uh, send me the responses that they're getting. And I, I put it up on the webmatrix.net. I have about 52 president and, you know, it's during the Bush administration which denied a congressional hearing, not a surprise. Um, and basically, they're all out of the loop, and, which is, you know, you can imagine if presidents and the heads of Joint Chiefs of Staff were being denied access, as well as CIA directors, uh, you know, members of Congress aren't going to be read into this stuff. Uh, but the important thing about all this is that um, we've been kept in a technological bubble 
uh, ever since, you know, the Nazi Germany had anti-gravity back in 1934. 20 years later, about October 1954, the United States finally achieved anti-gravity. Everything went deep black, yeah, went into these uh, black actually, projects. That's actually interesting because I actually was reading, um, you know, the the site that you put together, and you actually mentioned how the flying saucers were actually invented by a member of the Vril. And uh, that was a pretty interesting a revelation that I didn't even know myself. I knew the Vril had a, a lot to do with the technology that was developed, but I didn't know they had anything to do with the flying saucer. Oh, God. Yeah, the, you know, well, you know, the the German secret societies that were all, you know, connected with the Thule Society and the Vril and the Black Sun, you know, and all those were all connected with, you know, Nazi Germany deeply. And uh, what happened was, uh, yeah, Maria Orsic was getting channeled information uh, from a uh, group of extraterrestrials that were, you, some people call them Nordic that were from the Alberian constellation that was getting a uh, design of a uh, craft that could warp time around it because of the way, the nature of uh, the torsion physics, how it affects the uh, time space around it. And uh, her father gave this information to uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Sherman, uh, who, uh, uh, Schumann rather, uh, who, uh, you know, is, is famous for the Schumann resonance. Right. He he had a lot of knowledge in uh, electrostatic plasma physics and stuff like that. And they were actually able to take those diagrams and by 1934 actually had a working uh, flying disc, which, uh, you know, when Bob Lazar uh, went there to work, it was nine discs. And I think two of them were virile. Uh, some of them were the Hanabu, which was uh, it, the Nazi SS took over, by the way. Uh, and then some were uh, extraterrestrial that were, you know, Zeta Reticuli uh, type craft. Yeah. I, one thing that I, I wanted to bring up as well was that, you know, we've been receiving messages from, you know, extraterrestrials for longer than what we know. Uh, one thing that I read on your website that I didn't know myself um, that Nikola Tesla actually received messages back in the early 1900s. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. And he was friends with Maria Orsic, and they were comparing notes. Ah. Uh, you know, because it's interesting, the uh, the virile craft, unlike the, the Nazi Hanabu, <laughs> uh, was controlled through consciousness. And uh, Tesla, you know, shared all his uh, knowledge of anti-gravity with, with Otis Carr, who, um, you know, the FBI came in, he had the OTC-1, which was a working flying craft, which uh, one of the witnesses, uh, Ralph Ring, was actually one of the pilots. And it's exactly like the Vril craft, which was operated through consciousness, uh, where they would direct their intention of where the craft would go, and it would go in that direction. How the mechanism of all that works, I don't know. But, you know, then you look at the uh, Twining report, General Twining, when they were looking at these things back in 1947, um, you know, there's like no switches or gears or, or meters or anything. All this, all this was like uh, seamlessly put together and it was an interface between the pilot and the craft the consciousness uh and and you know according to uh, 
some witnesses I've just interviewed, like Emery Smith, who's worked in uh, deep underground facilities, uh, apparently they get the DNA of the pilot to resonate so that the craft's uh, DNA, so to speak, it's, it's actually living, uh, is, is a, like an extension of the, of the pilot. Almost like a symbiote, uh, almost. Yeah, um, and so, you know, I mean, the, the extraterrestrial stuff is, was really way advanced, but, yeah. you know, we, we developed our own called, uh, one of the witnesses that, that was one of the 20 witnesses that I joined uh, was Mark McCandish, who um, illustrated that back in 1988, Norton Air Force Base, there was an exhibit for the high brass showing these three flying discs that were hovering off the ground. One was like 120 feet, one was uh, 50 foot, and one was like something like 20 feet or something. And uh, I sat down at the Hilton with him before we went to the National Press Club. And, you know, at the bar, we, we, he laid out the diagram of the alien reproduction vehicle. He knew I had a good technical background, so he explained, you know, the, how the mercury vapor... Uh, created the the uh, canceling of the mass for the alien reproduction vehicles is what they call them ARVs, and the propulsion using mercury uh, goes back to the ancient Vermadas of India and also exactly what the Nazi Germany was using uh, you with the, uh, the tool tachyon uh, generators that were the swirling mercury. Uh, going in counterclockwise that create the uh, the canceling of mass, and and by the way, did you see on the internet that the Navy has uh, has a patent? I think it was out and uh, originated back in. Don't quote me exactly. I think it was 2007, but they released it out that shows that they have a, a craft which looks kind of like a TR3B a little bit that uses. Uh, uh, anti-gravity and it cancels mass, you know, so they're <laughs> seeding the public right now, getting the public's little. mind ready for disclosure. Yeah, and I, I think it was the Air Force last year, they actually showed a video of them trying to uh, chase an extraterrestrial vehicle that was uh, unidentified that they were trying to uh, capture that they just couldn't, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so they, they, they released that video. And so, yeah, I think what they're doing is little by little, they, they are seeding this and they, they are releasing this. You know, I had a discussion <clears throat> with my uh, co-host uh, the other day regarding the whole US, UFO and an extraterrestrial uh, type of disclosure. The thing is, is that I think they've been preparing us for many years about this happening. I mean, even now in movies, uh, TV, uh, you, know, you name it, it's it's been preparing us for many, many years. Uh, to, you know, accept the fact that there are extraterrestrials out there and that, uh, you know, we are living among them. Right. And, and keep in mind that, uh, you know, ever since, uh, <laughs> ever since, you know, Alan Dulles has set up Operation Mockingbird to create the mainstream media and the CIA is working with liaisons with Hollywood, which started with the day there stood still all the way back in 1951 with Project Dove through Hollywood. And, uh, you know, you, you've got, uh, and not to mention the, the Rockefeller Foundation taking over and controlling, rewriting the history of what happened in World War II to, in order to hide the uh, infiltration and the uh, escape of the Nazis, along as the connection with all the banking elite and the corporations and everything. They completely rewrote the history of World War II back in 1946. So our education, 
our, our movie entertainment in Hollywood, our mainstream media that we watch, uh, all of it has been creating a perception. You have to think about all the evil alien movies right. you know, that you are, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so you've got kind of like the white hats and the black hats that, uh, you know, some of the white hat activity uh, has been, uh, you, you know, the original... Uh, Outer Limits was set up by Leslie Stevens, mm -hmm. who uh, who also gave the script for Star Trek to um, Gene Roddenberry, and and several other things like Battlestar Galactica and whatever. But all this was seeding it out because his he was in office of uh, naval intelligence and into psychological operations. His father, Admiral Leslie Stevens, was deep into that and was a contemporary of uh, Admiral Rick Oboda who was involved with the Navy spy program where they had 29 spies that were over in Nazi Germany that were trying to, we were trying to catch up with Nazi Germany and they were bringing back information which they were disseminating out and, uh, you know, attempting to decipher. And so um, there is an effort to have like what's called a, a limited disclosure, which is controlling the narrative and the perception in a particular way. And then there's the other group that want the full truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, the full ugly picture of all the human rights abuse, all the stuff that's been going on in deep underground facilities that we've right. had ever since uh, they brought over Xavier Dorsch in 1946 to start uh, tunneling in the you know, out in New Mexico, and they expanded out to hundreds of uh, deep underground military bases and in Antarctica as well that, um, you know, uh, Phil Snyder testified about. Right. Um, you know, so, so there, there's a, uh, you got to watch the narrative of how the mainstream media, I'm talking about New York Times, CNN, um, in Washington Post, you know, all, and all of their controlled, uh, the six corporations that control all of that, most of what you see and hear, except for channels like yours. Well, that's interesting. I, that's that actually brings me to my next question that I wanted to pose to you was, um, you know, you being a, you know, former ABC News reporter, uh, you were there at the front lines getting this information from, you know, various sources through the AP or whoever it may be at that point. But you're getting this information and you're seeing it come in one way and you're probably seeing it come out another. How, how often did that happen? I mean, how often did you see, if, if at all, maybe, uh, did you see that the information get sanitized or maybe the narrative get changed to maybe uh, push a different type of, um, you, know, you know, propaganda or narrative uh, of the said, you know, piece or, or, or project that you guys are talking about? How, did, how often did that happen? Did you see that happen? No, anyway, well, just to be clear, you know, my my part of being an ABC newsman was basically on radio. I'd read the news. You know, I wasn't like a journalist out on the front lines, you know, getting the stories and stuff like that. I was basically ripping off the uh, uh, coming off of, you know, this is in the late 70s, uh, ripping off the AP and UPI news feeds. Right. And I had no idea that the text and everything that's created on there, just like the newscaster that's reading your news, uh, they're reading a teleprompter. Right. The, the people who uh, put that information together is billions of dollars going into think tanks, the psychological warfare that stems all the way back going to the Tavistock in Institute that uh, basically uh, 
it got kicked into high gear when Operation Mockingbird became active, which, you know, they started with about 400 journalists. And, you know, many journalists have have come out and said, you know, I have a train to lie and deceive the public, you know, and, yeah. but the CIA is giving me this information and it's supposed to look like it's coming from independent sources. So the, the Central Intelligence Agency has been, uh, and there's good people in the NSA and CIA and everything. I'm just saying that there has been, um, as, you know, as both Eisenhower and Kennedy tried to warn us about, and yes. basically an infiltration. And they have been, uh, you know, Attempting to control the perception. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's correct, and I think they've been very successful at that. Uh, from the beginning, let me go back, you know, a little bit. You know, from the beginning of time, you know, there's been these societies, and you touched on it, these secret societies uh, that uh, have ingrained themselves into the elite of banking, and uh, you know, to you know, the higher cabal, uh, you know, the highest elite of the elite. Do you suggest that that is the core of this issue of the non-disclosure of this, you know, happening? What do you think? <sighs> Well, no doubt the history goes back quite quite a ways, you know, going back to May 1st of 1776 when Adam Weishaupt was the uh, protege of uh, of Rothschild, you know, to uh, basically infiltrate the, uh, you know, the Bavarian Illuminati into the Freemasons, and uh, then they created the 33rd degree, and, you know, I... Uh, you know, my, my family uh, comes from some French royalty, and they had, like, high-level uh, 33rd and 32nd degree Freemasons. And ah. I've, I've been in the uh, another secret society myself since uh, 1976, the Rosicrucians, but, you know, seen nothing but benevolent teachings with that. Yes. Um, what, uh, what, what happened was, um, yes, they used the secret societies because... A person going into that it gets initiated where they really keep secrets really well after a long period of time. They get this indoctrination. And so uh, it's only the inner circle. And they created what was called a, uh, a 33rd degree, which is normally went up to 32nd. But a 33rd degree, you cannot do anything on your own to get there. You have to, It's an honorary degree. And so I started uh, in my notes that are online on the web matrix, I started looking at all the people who were 33rd degree Freemasons. You know, it's like a who's who of history. Yes, and the, seeing the connections of these people who are the Knights of Malta, and the skull and bones, and all these people, and just looking at uh, just looking at the associations of what they did, what what their purpose was. You know, you look at the Nazis. There's even the CIA has a publication after it was 25 years with a uh, secrecy order on it that shows the, the connections with the Vatican, the CIA, and the. Uh, um, and the Nazis, you know, uh, you know, so, you know, the relationship goes back, goes back deep. The trouble is we have a society that's been, the, the Nazis had this plan before the end of the World War II called Velkenschallenskrieg, which means uh, worldview warfare. They planned to infiltrate into the United States, which they did, you know, uh, thousands and 
Nazi spies under General Reinhard Gellin went into the CIA, went into NASA, as many people know. Uh, you know, Werner Braun Braun's, you know, telling yes. about rockets. They knew they had oh, yeah. uh, torsion physics. You know, even his mentor, uh, Professor Hermann Obreth, you know, said, you know, how did, how did Nazi Germany, you know, get so advanced? And he said, well, we had help. And they asked from who? And he said, well, we had help from people from other worlds. So uh, apparently the, uh, the Nazis, uh, they gained into an alliance that uh, assisted them. As Admiral Byrd, you know, found out when he went down Operation, you know, high jump that James Forrestal sent him down to destroy the Nazi base, but they were attacked and, you know, limped back right. and everything was, was hushed up. Um, and then Forrestal was, was thrown out the window and murdered back in 1949 when I was about one month old. Oh, wow. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> well, listen, Dan, you know, you've talked about all these, you know, uh, information that you, you've, you've tried to disclose. You know, you had that uh, that testimony in 2001 at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. to an attempt to bring forth all this information, you know, all the, you know, to the world regarding UFO uh, information, extraterrestrial military black budge, budgets, uh, reverse technology, engineering. You know, we talk about all that stuff. Uh, we know that the CIA came in and just suppressed all that information. But what are some of the, the personal experiences that you've had? I, I know you mentioned earlier uh, that you had a craft that fl flew over your head about 100 feet. Did you have any other experiences you know, besides that? I've had, but they are they're pretty bizarre and I usually don't talk about them because, uh, you know, people think, oh, that sounds really out there, you know. Um, not to my listeners. Go ahead. <laughs> strange experiences happened back in 1977 um, that, uh, you know, oh, just, just real briefly, uh, uh, I was out in the mountains camping and uh, felt a presence uh, coming from the sky. And I raised my hand out there and I said, you know, is, is somebody out there? You know, and a craft came down and was like, oscillating different colors and I called my girlfriend over to look at this and I said, do you see what I'm seeing? You know, and she kind of like got freaked about it and, uh, and, uh, and so that, you know, I wanted them to come in closer <laughs> and interact with them, you know. Um, and then, uh, and then I had an interesting, you know, I, I came home from work. I worked at the Naval Electronic Engineering Center for about 13 years, you know, be, I was a broadcast engineer for the most powerful FM station for many years before that. And uh, I remember laying down on bed and I was, uh, I, I got teleported on board a craft and uh, oh, wow. there was this, the beings around and the main being came in and put me through some kind of a portal, like a vortex. And uh, essentially uh, was showing that uh, our create our our mind is projecting reality and it's kind of like took me in between the pulses of creation if that makes any sense oh, yeah. and was showing me how uh we are creating we're co-creating this participatory reality this is 1977 i didn't understand anything about quantum <laughs> physics and all the new sciences that are right. out there yeah and and then i had uh and then i had this experience where i was supposed to be taken under were the 
for a regression type of thing. And I, all of a sudden I had like millions of volts going through my hands and my feet. And this being, I could, with my eyes closed, uh, incredibly intense, uh, huge. I, I've never seen a gray before, you know, the huge, right. huge eye and the typical big eyes and everything. This was all new to me, right? Mm. And I didn't know anything about sacred geometry at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being projected in space, a sphere, and as I watched the sphere, I, I saw it looked like a star. Now I've studied geometry after since then. A uh, star tetrahedron formed, another geometry than that, another one within that, and it went into infinity, and then turned back into a perfect sphere, and the being was saying that uh, in actuality, all of us are like... A, we're all interconnected and that through love we evolve from one frequency geometry to the next it left me a burning and desire to understand this so I grabbed every book I could and I found out oh my god I didn't know anything about platonic solids I didn't know they fit one another and as I start to research in the future I find that uh, oh wow the planetary orbits are geometric even the periodic table table of con of uh, elements yes. is uh, tetrahedral geometries yes. uh, you know it just goes on and on and on it, the whole relationship even the planet you know has uh, has a dodecahedron grid that the germ the not the germans the russians discovered and uh, there's also uh, richard hoagland discovered the uh, star tetrahedron where the points are at 19 point um, 19.45 degrees, right. um, where it's on the sun, it's on Jupiter, it's on the Earth, it's on all the planets. It's like there's this uh, energetic energetic geometry that's throughout the cosmos that uh, this is related to. Anyway, those are, that's, that's a really, in a very um, short nutshell... <laughs> You know, <laughs> about those experiences. As far as the uh, first-hand experiences with uh, more mainstream stuff, I uh, I volunteered after um, after the Bush administration died to bring forth these witness sciences scientists that could prove that we have zero-point energy. You know, bring it before uh, open congressional hearing, put it on the table, prove it. You know, they denied the congressional hearing, and so. Uh, Dr. Greer had a database of about 300 scientists and inventors. We're trying to bring it out. You know, the stuff in the Black Projects is like light years beyond what we, we create. But there is still, ever since, uh, oh, the Invention Secrecy Act in 1951, where anybody who's got a, anything to get off of nuclear oil and coal uh, due to a sen- uh, secret system within the patent office called Sensitive Application Warning System, they get what's called a National Security Order, which basically states that, states that your invention has been deemed to be a detriment to the national security of the United States. Therefore, you cannot <laughs> share it with anybody. And there's you know close to 6,000 of these uh, have been issued. And for 10 years, I've Flew around the planet with uh, Professor Ted Loiter, uh, working with Dr. Greer. Um, well, at least for the first couple of years, I worked with Dr. Greer. After that, I did a lot on my own, working with uh, many different scientists. And you know, just one thing after another, where you know, scientists are murdered. Uh, they try to come out with something. Uh, you know, they get these national security orders. 
you know, just it's one nightmare after another. After ten years, uh, and by the year 2014, I, uh, you know, I started in 2004 with uh, this one inventor down in the Dominican Republic that uh, had this energy device that was putting about 500 watts of power. Um, I flew down there with a professor. Dr. Greer went down there first, saw it operating and everything like that. We went down there. Um, the inventor said, you know, just before we got there, the two agents that said they were from the CIA said that this works, you're dead. And so he had completely disassembled the entire thing. Uh, so, you know, because I have a very good technical background, I've worked with electronics and engineering for a long time. And so, and unconventional sciences, as I worked with uh, Dr. Marcel Vogel in the laboratory, which uh, my notes can be seen at marcelvogel.org. With uh, he was interfacing consciousness with quartz crystals and interacting with water. He was IBM's uh, top scientist. Invented the uh, magnetic coating for hard drives, the red and blue phosphors for color TV, liquid crystal. He, he had like 140 some patents. He was an incredible. Wow creative genius anyway he uh <laughs> he found out about you know plant communication he does it as an experiment anyway that's a whole show in itself but um yeah those are those are some of the experiences i i had i know i'm missing a lot that's amazing it's <laughs> can't a, remember it's, it's amazing that you've had all those experiences and you know another thing i wanted to ask you um you know back in 2001 you were part of this uh you know, this hearing, uh, but you also were part of another disclosure that you didn't maybe even were aware of at the time, but back in 1993. Now, this is something that you sent to me via Facebook, and uh, I was actually reading it at the last hour here. And it's pretty interesting stuff. Um, you know, it's regarding Bob Lazar. You actually video recorded all this back in 93. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, he, he went public in 89, but his face and his voice was disguised, you know, with George Knapp on, uh, on Las Vegas television. And then he, the first time he ever became public was a, a meeting, which the, the Area 50, the one, the base actually gave us this tent, it was a kind of a camouflage tent. And there was about a a dozen and a half people or so, pretty knowledgeable people. And I just happened to be sitting in the front row. No, no absolutely, they said no recording devices re allowed whatsoever. And so Bob Lazar was being hit with uh, two hours of, of questions for the first time publicly. Uh, but I broke the rules. I had my video recorder clandestinely <laughs> sitting on my lap recording the full two hours, which... Uh, you know, I I put up on the webmatrix.net. You can you can watch, um, and so um, what? Uh, yeah, Bob Lazar, he's he's the real deal. You know, uh, they found out the element 15 was uh, real from Lawrence Livermore Laboratories almost like a decade after he said this is this element is what is being used and it's completely stable and it's exactly as uh, as Bob said. So. Uh, now there's a movie out about him, and the more people are getting aware. Yeah, I think he's becoming a little bit more mainstream um, as time goes on, and I I'm really happy about that because uh, he deserves to be because he's brought forth a lot of information. Uh, so do you, and so do uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, of course. But um, you know, getting back to this, uh, you know, do you ever have that fear? We we just talked about you know the things that you know the CIA has done, and there's no better motivator than death. Uh, you know, going back to uh, that Brazilian scientist you were talking about. Has has that ever, you know, crossed your mind? Has things, you know, 
have they threatened you in some possible way or another? Well, when uh, remember I mentioned about Admiral Tom Wilson uh, saying, if you can get your people to go before the media, my permission, this group is illegal. Uh, there is there is a lot of people that are called white hats, you, you could say, that want to see this disclosed and know that there's a dark cabal that's been controlling this. And, uh, you know, not, well, I can't say completely, but most of the, most all of the witnesses, nothing has happened to, to us ever since that happened. And, you know, and I'm not, I'm, you know, my testimony is like, you know, baby stuff, you know, compared to what the other witnesses were disclosing, like, uh, like Carl Wolf, who I was with him in the Hilton in his room before he went, and he was really nervous to go forward to, you know, he had a regular, uh, good life going on, you know, yes, uh, he was just recently run over on a bicycle accident. Uh, but, you know, he saw a base on the other side of the moon, uh, NASA, Donna Hare, you know, they airbrushed the UFOs out for releasing to the public. The astronauts are told, keep quiet, what actually happened when they went to the moon in 1969. Nukes are being shut down. Uh, we have alien reproduction vehicles. We have uh, zero-point energy. We've got uh, president, CIA directors are being denied access. Uh, you know, just on and on, explosive uh, explosive testimonies yeah i know i i remember that story about the nukes being shut down i think that was in um in a mountain in i believe north carolina where there was a ufo site was maelstrom air force base in ah, montana, in montana. Um, uh, captain totally robert salas was 60 feet under blow in a monitoring controlling 10 nuclear tipped icbms where uh, the craft went overhead the guards were had their weapons drawn right. freaking out right, right uh this glowing red disc all of a sudden all his missiles going do 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 you know all got shut off and then it went 70 miles away within a few seconds and shut all their missiles down and they could have destroyed the whole thing but all they're basically saying you know it's like uh you, you don't you don't want to play with this stuff yeah, you know stop, this nuclear uh nuclear with, weapon stuff is yeah, not yeah, good yeah. it's not good at all yeah that's it's been an ongoing thing that uh you know people believe that you know that the aliens and the extraterrestrials are actually monitoring us and making sure that we don't blow ourselves up and don't push ourselves to that limit where you know we destroy ourselves so it's interesting to see that it's been an ongoing um an ongoing theme one thing i wanted to kind of mention as well um dan is that you know you uh You've disclosed all this information, you know, Dr. Greer has, you know, he's exposed a lot of this information with his disclosure project. Where do you, where do you think this is all going to end up? Is this, is this something that's going to end sooner rather than later or ra later than rather sooner? What do you think? Well, um, what I, I see is, see, when Eisenhower lost control back in 1955 to the uh, infiltration that was going on, it was kind of a surrender. Uh, basically, he knew that in the future, this group can completely take over. So he set up a secret U.S. Marine Corps intelligence unit that would become active in the future. And, you know, some people talking about QAnon, you know, Q. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, and you have, what, 83,000 sealed indictments. You've got uh, executive orders of freezing the assets of anybody doing human rights abuse or corruption, which, you know, read any of the black hats in the dark cabal are involved with. Uh, you've got changes to the Uniform Code of Military Justice allowing these people to be tried in military court, which is different. You have the same day that all this happened, uh, Guantanamo Bay was expanded 
you know, with uh, more personnel and larger operations. So um, my vision is that uh, the White Hats, the good guys like Admiral Mike Rogers, who took control over the NSA and they've taken control over many of the, the deep state's assets, uh, basically, um, you know, we're just starting to get that in the news lately. You know, they're just coming out with the declassification of the, you know, the FISA stuff. And as one thing will reveal another thing, as one, as you start peeling it, peeling it back, the layers of the onion of all the dark corruption of the deep state that goes way back, um, all of a sudden, you know, these people will be, uh, uh, you know, no longer able to, you know, suppress these uh, these technologies and control how they have been. Uh, that the uh, they have, you know, they have the. If we can release, it'll save millions of lives. If if these zero point energy devices get released, every home and business can have a little small box that can disconnect from the grid. Because if we ever get a EMP or a CME coming in from the sun, uh, it'll completely take out the grid, and millions of people are going to die. Yeah, yeah. And so these technologies need to be released. Plus, you know, all the pharmaceutical corporations that you know. As William Tompkins says, you know, Nazis infiltrated the head levels of which came back out of the Nuremberg trials out of uh, Nazi Germany that back in 19, uh, you know, back when the, the trials were being done against the doctors uh, of the IG Farben that was broken into common corporations like Bayer and, and so forth. Uh, all that would be put out of business with some of the technologies that, uh, you know, for healing and long you know, life extension technologies. Uh, I mean, there, there's like another world that seems like science fiction that's being hid while we're, we're watching, you know, these, these fantasies out of Hollywood uh, scriptwriters' imaginations of science fiction of things in the future. You know, the real things going, going on underneath our feet and, you know, on the moon and Mars and elsewhere. Yeah, it's funny. It's like we're uh, living in 1950, but we're watching TV in our modern time, you know, almost, you know, in, in, a, in a weird way. Uh, and it's funny that, um, you know, that all this has been suppressed, all this information. Um, do you think it's all about money? Is that the reason why that the suppression is, is there? I mean, because one thing I always talk about is teleportation. Um, and it's always been something that's always fascinated me ever since I was a kid. And it still fascinates me to this day. And, um, you know, ever since, you know, I got older, I started doing research on stuff like that. You know, I, I learned about Project Pegasus and how they were supposedly teleporting people, you know, from here to Mars and, and, and other places of the United States and, and, and the world. It, is that the reason why that it would put all these industries out of business? Would it put out the airline industry? Would it put out the, 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 the pharma, big pharma industry out of business? Is, is that what it's all about? Well, think about the up to 21 trillion dollars and missing you know like uh the day before uh you know one of the things was disclosed that they plan to have future false flag events like terrorists this was four months before the 9-11 event hit uh so it's not a matter they have all the money they can print plus they have all these sources of other you know the the drugs and weapons and everything else they they can bring money in uh plus they can print all the money they want it's not about it's not about the money money's not a they've got that part handled uh they pretty much control the money 
uh, it's it's a matter of geopolitical control, keeping everybody in a uh, technologically restarted state, uh, so we don't, uh, you know, <laughs> we're not a threat uh, threat to them. Or nobody else could become a threat to us in that way as well. So uh, I'm sure that could be you know reversed as well. But uh, you know that's that's interesting. Right. But, right. Yeah. Right. You know, it's it's one thing that they've suppressed all this information and. Uh, it's amazing to me that little by little, all this information is coming out. I do believe we are in the middle of a disclosure now. I, and I do hope to see that this happens in the next 10 years, maybe 15 years. Uh, that's being hopeful, obviously. But I am starting to see a lot of this unfold now. Do you think that more whistleblowers are going to be coming out within the next you know, 5 to 10 years? As more come out, more feel safe to come out you know um you know i've been just kind of monitoring the uh you know i'm one of the 20th century whistleblowers you know back in 1969 uh you got these people from the year 2000 forward the 21st century witnesses that claim to be involved in the secret space programs and you know the the two people that i pretty much uh trust was uh gary mckinnon who was inspired by the uh the, the May 2001 National Press Club, uh, you know, hacked in and saw the Solar Warden program, the non-terrestrial officers, the U.S. Navy fleet-to-fleet transfers. And then you have William Tompkins, who I've worked with Dr. Sala and looking at researching his huge amount of documentation and people who knew who he was and did things, you know. Uh, and then you have all these other people. It's just impossible to, for them to get documentation, but you never know when you're going to get a, you know, DDT operation. Somebody will be a plant. Uh, DDT is a decoy, distract, trash. <laughs> you know, they, uh, nice. they, they send people into, uh, <laughs> Basically you know, muddy the, muddy the waters, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's fascinating, and there's a lot of indications that uh, – yeah, we do have a secret space program going on. These little things, these little tidbits get dropped and dropped and dropped. And it's amazing that us as human beings, Americans or whatever, we're all human beings. You know, we fall for the same narrative. And you know, the the common theme comes up is something that you mentioned is cognitive dissonance. And um, I know what the, you know, the, the term means, and, I, and I've seen it applied, but could you maybe explain it to our listeners and how it applies to this reality matrix, please. Oh, yeah. Well, cognitive dissonance is uh, basically people experiencing the, the glitches in the perception matrix that's been created. And there's a lot of glitches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, am I answering your question correctly? Yes, you are. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're talking about the indicators, and those are the indicators that you are timelining on your website correct oh good good point good point it's something i like to point out i don't you know i'm sharing what i know as best as i know based on uh hundreds of witness testimonies uh, authenticated classified documents and then there's a lot of other evidence that i i don't have the resources and things to completely but you know when you get so many indications over time and from different sources and and what happens is certain things, uh, enough indicators indicate you have a certain probable reality of a certain higher probability than others. And when you start putting these probable realities, you know, not saying you know anything for sure because, you know, the rabbit hole goes very deep on this whole thing and it's very highly compartmentalized and there's much disinformation out there. So, you know, everybody has to filter through all this and do their own independent research 
you know, when I started researching this, uh, Will is like, it's like one, oh my God, after another, yeah, yeah. you know, you mm-hmm. start to realize, uh, my God, you know, we've been, our education, our television, our movies have all been controlled by this group to keep us into this bubble of, uh, of this reality that is not based on, uh, on the full story of what's going on around us. No, it's not. And you know what? They just tried to use it not too long ago in the last election. Isn't that correct, too? They tried to use a false false flag of, a, of an alien attack uh, in the last election to try to maybe uh, sway favor to one side of the party? Well, it was one of the uh, Benson Research Group for the Clinton Foundation. They were looking, they were like panicking, you know. That, uh, <laughs> see, the Bilderberg Group uh, appointee was, uh, you know, the Clinton, you know. So uh, they were trying anything. You know, one of them was a uh, possibility of a false flag uh, alien invasion where they have, the, they have the technology to create this thing. But, you know, that didn't, that's not going to, we already disclosed that back oh, in yeah. 2001. Uh, that's, <laughs> you know, that doesn't really work anymore. Yeah, no, it's funny because it's like everybody in 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 politics is has to be involved in some form or, or another in the in these you know in these other workings because you even see now reports are coming out that Trump Jr.'s son, uh, Trump Jr. was a part of a lot of Bilderberg meetings that were happening as of late. So again, there you go. The narrative is being pushed again by the the, the powerful, the elite, the cabal, uh, and it's just uh, it, it doesn't seem to stop. Yeah, you know, you think about the Bilderberg being set up right before they lost control, you know, back in uh, 1955, was set up in 54 by a former Nazi SS officer, you know, and they get every year their meetings to align everybody, (laughs) the big movers and shakers and media and finance, uh, they get everybody on board with the, the, the agenda. It's amazing that they can do that. I mean, it sounds very bohemian grovish, but I mean, it's it's pretty much there, right? They, uh, you know, ever since they lost, uh, they, they lost control. They've been going overboard in every, every pulling out all the stops in every way possible. So, you know, my uh, my vision is hopeful for the future. I didn't have hope before, but now that uh, I know the the dark cabal kind of lost control on that one, and that we have the white hats, which could be that uh, secret marine intelligence unit surfacing as as Q. Yes, um, I believe uh, I believe there's some hope. There is, there is hope. And uh, Dan, where do we, uh, where do you think all this is going to end up? I mean, where, what's the what's the end game? Uh, what what uh, what can we do with all this information? Do we just keep pounding at the door until we knock the hinges off? What do we do? Well, I, I everybody educate yourself and find out uh, the truth behind this. And once you don't take anybody's word about anything, you know, don't don't rely on any one source. And, uh, and once you do start, uh, there's a collective mind that we're all connected with and start sharing it. Uh, my vision is that, uh, you know, very soon uh, these dark elements are going to be exposed and the technology will be released for the good of mankind. And, uh, you know, all these wars have been created, uh, yeah, ended up in combat action in Vietnam because of the Gulf of Tonkin false flag event and all these poor guys that, uh, you know, in the Middle East, my heart goes out to what the PTSD they go through. We don't need to have these lies, these these wars anymore. Uh, If we're, you know, we just had Memorial Day and if we're to truly honor all of our soldiers of the past, present and future, uh, we need to expose these lies. 
Yeah, it's funny that people come up to me and they say, "Hey, Will, uh, you know, you do this podcast, you do, you know, you talk about a lot of conspiracy theory, you know, uh, you know, how can you believe all these things?" And I was, and you, what, the first thing that I point to is the Gulf research. of Tonkin. Research, yeah, and research, <laughs> and I and I point to the Gulf of Tonkin. I'm like, look, right there, it happened in Vietnam. This is the reason why we went to Vietnam. Look into it. Research. Look into the Gulf of Tonkin, and then you come back to me and you tell me. So you know, it's 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 been proven over and over and over again, uh, Dan. What else? What's next for you? What, what's uh, next on the horizon? What's your next plans? Uh, I'm sure you're going to continue to, um, you know, compile all this information on your website. Uh, the, you know, uh, and uh, what's next for you? Please tell us. Uh, I've actually taken a break. Uh, I'm just sitting back and watching now. Uh, but uh, you know, there's a the webmatrix.net's just my online notes. I don't make any money at this. So I don't associate anything like that with this. I just. Uh, whenever I have an opportunity to, uh, to share my very small piece and, and promote the collective awakening of what all these witnesses are saying, you know, um, I'll try to do that. I do sh- you know, shows once in a while. But uh, that's pretty much it. I live off the grid with my wife up here in, uh, in the mountains, in Siskiyou Mountains of Oregon, and uh, you know, just kind of enjoy every day. There you go, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on Dark Fringe Radio. And everybody, you can follow uh, all of this information at thewebmatrix.net. You can follow all of Dan Willis's information there. Um, what we do tell you to do is continue to do research just like uh, you know Dan did and put all this information together. And you know whatever interests you on this type of information, continue to do that research. Uh, you know, don't uh, you know, don't let uh, don't give in. Uh, you know, if you have a you know uh, something that uh, you know questions your you know your your being and 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 whatever that may be go into it research it and uh, i thank you dan for coming on the podcast again you can follow him at thewebmatrix.net again uh dan thanks so much for coming on the podcast thank you yes yes question everything and research and uh and keep a positive vision uh things are looking up you heard it from the man himself dan willis thank you so much for coming on the podcast and we'll have you on again soon okay I look forward. All right, Will. Good to have the show with you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much, and have a great night. And thanks, uh, Dark Fringe Radio listeners. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Mr. Dan Willis. And uh, I want to thank again uh, Dan for coming on the podcast and uh, you know disseminating all this information that he's uh, compiled, you know, on his website and you know being able to really talk about the disclosure, uh, you know, issues that we're having. And now we're starting to see these things actually starting to come out. Uh, you know, as me and Jay started talking about earlier with, uh, you know, regarding, you know, Bigfoot and, you know, the UFOs and, you know, all those things that, uh, um, you know, me and Dan spoke about as well in the interview. So, again, I wanted to thank Dan for coming on the podcast. And, you know, we uh, hope you guys, you know, come back on uh, in the future. So, again, uh, that uh, brings me to uh, our next uh, segment here, Jay, uh, before we go to the outro. And that's what to watch. And uh, that's where uh, every week Jay gives uh, the uh, listeners a suggestion on a show uh, whether it be a TV show, movie, or something, uh, just to you know, give you an idea of something of good quality to watch. So, Jay, what do you have this week for what to watch? So, uh, there's been a lot of things I've been kind of getting a little bit more and more into uh, as the weeks have gone on. There's two shows that really stand out. I was going to talk about the two of them. They're both on Netflix. Uh, one is really main, focused mainly on uh, conspiracies, almost especially, at least the first two episodes have been like, all about World War II, which is super interesting. Oh, yeah. And then there's this other one that, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to talk about another one. So, so what I am going to talk about is it's a stand-up comedy routine. 
mm-hmm. done by game, a guy named John Mohancy. Mohancy. Okay. He was uh, a writer for Saturday Night Live. Eventually, I was getting on Saturday Night Live, and now is doing a stand-up. His most recent one is called Kid Kid Gorgeous. Hmm. And I didn't know what to expect, because I honestly had never heard of him. Uh, and as I was trying to find something good to watch, my daughter was like, oh, I love this guy. So I put him on. And I, within minutes, was laughing so hard, I almost spit up my beer. <laughs> like, it almost came out of my nose. Uh, so he's a good stand-up, huh? He is whole- Oh, he's fantastic. I ended up going back and watching his other two. They were awesome as well. So if you haven't caught any of his stand-up, all three that I saw on Netflix were, they were fantastic. I was beyond surprisingly pleased. That's awesome. That's cool, man. That's cool. I'm going to check that out. I love comedy. I love stand-up. Uh, it's kind of like uh, one of those things that I just, you know, I love it in my own, you know, in my own way uh, because I like certain, yep. I like certain comedians. Uh, in stand-up, I, li- I like certain styles. Um, certain styles I just don't like. You know what I mean? Um, certain styles I do yeah. like. There's one that I did see lately, just to keep on the theme of the dark side here, uh, but uh, Anthony Jeselnik, I don't ever know if you've ever seen any of his stand-up, but he's a very like dark humor type of stand-up guy. And uh, if you've never seen any of his stuff, I mean, he just says the most outlandish shit that you would, ne- you know, <laughs> that it's just so dark. You know what I mean? And... Uh, yeah, if you oh, yeah. yeah, if you get a chance to see him as well. So uh yeah, Anthony Justinick, and then of course you said the first guy's name was Robert Mulhaney, you said? John Mulhaney. John Mulhaney. Okay, very good. So John Mulhaney and Anthony Justinick. That's our suggestions for what to watch this week on Dark Fringe Radio. So that brings us to the outro, Jay. You know, I just want to remind everybody uh, again on the social media tip, find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Dark Fringe Radio. Make sure you do that. Also, I want to remind everybody to go to the website and check us out on our website. We're going to be putting a lot more content on there. Uh, We have a section for all our interviews compiled into one section. Uh, We're going to have an archive of all the shows on the podcast. I mean, excuse me, on the website pretty soon, Jay. So you won't have to, um, you know, search for it. You can just go into the website and it will be right there for you at your fingertips. So that'll be another added, um, you know, feature for the website. Um, so there's going to be a lot of stuff on there for you to, you know, you know, look at and uh, hopefully be entertained by. So we urge you again to check out the website. Again, that's darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. Very simple, darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. Check us out there. Uh, check out all our information. So we urge you to do that. Again, also, if you want to send us any suggestions for the show uh, or anything for the mailbag, uh, please send us to us at thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Again, that's thedarkfringe at gmail.com. All right. Well, that's uh, the end of the outro for me, Jay. Uh, anything for you to add? No, that's it. Uh, I'll be interested to see how things progress with the government seeming to be, seeming to be more transparent. Uh, it was a great interview. Again, it's a really interesting topic, and, uh, and I'm pumped. I can't wait to see what happens down the road. Absolutely, Jay. Well, listen, thank you so much again uh, for uh, you know coming on the podcast with me this week and supporting us and uh, you know doing what you do. Uh, I thank you very much. And, um, you know, listen, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. And uh, let's keep going, man. We're we're hitting a good stride here. And uh, I think, what, we're episode 50-something, you know. And, uh, you know, 
on to another 50 more. So, and, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about, That's right. uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about also um, projects that are going to be coming out in the future. I just want to give everybody a little bit of a, a teaser here before we go. Uh, we're going to be coming out with their own podcast network and uh, Jay's going to be doing some side projects on his own. Um, you know, not going away from dark fringe radio, but just adding uh, more content to uh, what we're going to be able to offer on this network. Uh, Jay's going to be doing his own projects. Um, we're going to still have Dark Fringe Radio. Uh, I may be doing some side projects of my own. But, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. So a lot to look forward to in the future. Uh, we just wanted to let everybody know uh, that that's going to be coming around the bend pretty quickly. So uh, just be prepared. So a lot of big things coming up for the future, Jay. So, again, I do appreciate you uh, coming along the ride with me. Oh, I appreciate you having me, man. It was, uh, it's been a great blessing. And it was a very interesting surprise considering that I never, ever assumed I would ever be doing this. So I uh, thank you for having me. I thank all of our listeners for the support. Continue all that positive feedback, letting us know what we can do, being part of our, our podcast, part of our content. We, we can't thank you enough. Keep it up. We're going to keep growing this thing bigger and bigger and bigger. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, Jay. So, again, listen – Everyone, thank you so much for listening to Dark Fringe Radio this week. Again, check us out again next week, next Friday, with a brand new episode. And we'll check you guys out next week. Come on, baby. Together alone We have traveled long and far Traded secrets in the dark We are not the shelter or the stone Come on sugar, I don't want to live among the swamp Come on over, I just want to be together alone We descended long ago From the beast of nevermore We have ditched the flock to ride Traveled long and far Traded secrets 